Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. Well, you are listening to Mortification of Spin. My name is Todd Pruitt, and I am joined, as always, by Amy Bird and Carl Truman. And thank you so much for listening in today. What we want to talk about has to do with the Christian's relationship with the Old Testament, or whether the Old Testament is still relevant for Christians. Now, a lot of Christians struggle with this. They'll read the Old Testament, and they will see a whole variety of laws that seem to be obscure, outdated, maybe really strange. Um, and I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments, but I'm talking about some of the Levitical laws and the, and the ceremonial laws that just seem very obscure, very strange. And, and, and that will cause people problems. They'll, they'll look at the dietary laws and wonder why we don't do those things anymore. Um, they'll look at some of the actions that God took against some of the uh, uh, pagan nations, and they'll wonder if that God is consistent with Jesus as he is revealed in the New Testament. And the whole thing causes some Christians to stumble and wonder, what do we do with the Old Testament? How do we read it? How do we understand it? Would it be easier just to avoid it and, and focus on the New Testament? Well, interestingly, Andy Stanley, who is pastor of what many believe is the second largest church in America, uh, North Point Church in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, has recently made some headlines once again for some things that he has preached and for his newest book. His newest book is called Irresistible, Reclaiming the New that Jesus Unleashed for the World. And basically, at the heart of that book and at the heart of his recent teaching series is that the disciples of Jesus, the apostles, um, to use his word, unhitched themselves from the Old Testament. That is, they, they left it behind with its ethical system and its laws and its portrait of God. They, they left all that behind. They unhitched themselves from it so that they could teach this New Testament teaching. And from that, he encourages us as Christians to, quote, unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. He has written in this book, Irresistible, that the Old Testament presents a significant stumbling block to faith, and so therefore should be avoided. Now, when he's pressed on this, he will say, oh, I believe that the Old Testament is true. I believe it's part of the Bible. But what he ends up going on to explain is that basically it's abrogated, although he wouldn't use that word. But certainly the term that we should unhitch ourselves communicates that it's really something that's going to weight us down, confuse us, perhaps present a barrier to our faith, and so it's best to leave it behind for all practical purposes. Now, because this is Andy Stanley, because of his tremendous influence, a lot of Christians are going to be impacted by that perspective, by that teaching. And so, Carl and Amy, is it the best thing? Would it be helpful? Would it be helpful for the faith of Christians and the potential faith of people that we're evangelizing to, to be unhitched from the Old Testament? Well, no, it's taking us back, I would say, so 1,850 years or so to uh, the rise of, of the very first famous heretic, 
in the Christian church, a man called Marcion. We don't know much about Marcion other than the fact that he appears to have come from Pontus, which is an area in modern-day Turkey, southern, southern uh, shore of the, of the Black Sea. And Marcion's distinctive was that he unhinged Mm-hmm. The New Testament from the Old there was very little of the uh, way well, he bodorized the New Testament for a start mm-hmm. because unlike Andy Stanley, I think he at least had the honesty to acknowledge that a lot of the New Testament as we have it is dependent upon the Old. So he mm-hmm. got rid of that because right. uh, he wanted to get rid of the Old in general. And he was roundly condemned by the church. So sure, I mean, if you want to go back to one of the earliest and most ridiculous heresies ever promulgated, <laughs> Banley Stanley's new book and mm-hmm. believe it. If you want to be an Orthodox Christian, you might want to pay attention uh, to the arguments both of the New Testament itself and consistently of the Orthodox Christian Church ever since on that right. point. Right. Yeah. Can we do another topic now? (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty simple, isn't it? Yeah. 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 There's there's so many layers to this. I mean, it's impossible to unhitch ourselves from our history and the history of the faith. The whole New Testament is saturated. Mm -hmm. Um, The apostles are constantly interpreting the Old Testament for us and showing us Christ in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. There. Yep. Um, Christ is present in the Old Testament. Think about think God about what, is working in those exactly. times. Think about what you'd have to do just to the book of Revelation alone. Right. I mean, if every you, single if book. you removed every reference or allusion to the Old Testament, the, the book of Revelation is filled. Amy, you mentioned the apostles. I mean, think about how deeply they rely. I mean, the scriptures they preached, the scriptures Jesus proclaimed were the mm-hmm. Old Testament. The scriptures Paul proclaimed. They were the only scriptures Paul had. Exactly. Uh, either exactly. Paul is making right. it up as he goes along, mm-hmm. or he's explicating the life of Christ in the context of right. the Old Testament. There is no third option there. Right. Right. What would you say? What would you say to those um, who would say, to, for instance, Andy Stanley or others who would say, "Well, um, part of the problem is that uh, the God who is presented in the Old Testament is clearly a very different kind of God. He he acts differently." Um, than uh, than the Jesus of the New Testament is that accurate and and how would you um, how would you answer that that concern or that observation? Depends what aspects of God you zero in on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, for example, I was teaching this afternoon looking at uh, the the notion of propitiation in Romans, mm-hmm. and you can't understand what Paul talks about there without going back to the consistent witness of the Old Testament, mm-hmm. to the fact that blood sacrifice is needed to turn away the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. We see that even in Genesis chapter 3. If Adam and Eve's problem is, is merely nakedness, then the fig leaf should have been sufficient. They cover right. up your private parts quite adequately. You're no longer naked. Yeah. No, God insists on clothing them in, in the bloody hides mm-hmm. of slain animals. So... The, the propitiatory aspect of God is it flows from the, the Old Testament and indeed provides Paul with his matrix of understanding the cross uh, in the New. On the other hand, we don't have accounts of uh, genocides being commanded mm-hmm. in the New Testament. So one would certainly want to acknowledge that there are differences between the Old Testament and, and the New Testament. The question becomes how we understand those differences. Do we understand them as, as representing different gods, which was Marcion's basic position. Mm-hmm. The Old Testament God is a different God to the New Testament one. Or do we understand them in terms of, I hate to use the D word, and I don't mean to use it in the, in the technical sense, but do we understand it in terms of different dispensation sure. yeah. of God's relationship to his people? 
right. and his action towards his people. Right. Yeah, it's it's a confusion uh, that some people have unnecessarily, as as if the quote the God of the Old Testament we we don't see him acting in grace and love, which of course is absolutely not true. Mm -hmm. uh, the New Testament has many 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 repeated examples of God's mercy and and even his grace, and then the and then the 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 other error being made that Jesus is this very nice and mild kind of a feet shepherd that pranced around the countryside in white robes and never warned people about hell, even though yeah, he said he more looked, about hell than anybody else in the New Testament. He looked like Barry Gibb of the Bee Gees. As well. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Southern Baptist artwork yeah. is to be believed. Right, right exactly. <laughs> now, Carl, you said something that we, that we need to key in on, though. We are not saying that the Old and New Testaments are the same thing. There are, there are some discontinuities there are certainly continuities, as we've already been pointing out, but there are some discontinuities as well. Oh, yeah. And every orthodox theologian worth his salt has always acknowledged right. that from right. the word go. I mean, go back to early opponents of Marcion, for example, Irenaeus, second century, uh, late second century, early church father, clearly understands that there's differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mm -hmm that the Old Testament in some ways sets forth in a series of historical signs mm -hmm. that which one will find the reality of in the life right. of the Lord Jesus Christ. So theologians are well aware of both the differences and the, the connection of the Old Testament. Right. What one's inclined to say, if the Old Testament was irrelative, there'd be no need for this kind of theology. Right. Uh, theology arises in some ways mm -hmm. precisely out of theologians understanding that there's a connection between old and new testament but it's not an identity there is right. a development there is a historical progress in god's revelation and actions towards his people yeah so amy in in terms of of jesus's attitude about how we should go about reading and understanding the old testament what was jesus's uh, thoughts about uh, how much yeah what we would call now the Old Testament scriptures had to do with him. Right. I mean, we go back to uh, Luke 24, the road to mm -hmm. Emmaus, and he tells the disciples that they are foolish and that they're slow to believe mm -hmm. all that the prophets have spoken because they didn't understand the necessity of the Messiah to suffer and then to enter into his glory afterwards. Mm -hmm. And then what does he do? He starts with Moses mm -hmm. and gives the sermon of a lifetime, you know, yep. pointing how everything in the scriptures, which were the Old Testament scriptures, mm -hmm. points to him, yeah. and their hearts burned within them when he did that. Yeah. And so we can expect our hearts to burn within us too, I believe, because we find Christ yeah. in, in the Old Testament scriptures and the New Testament. Scriptures. Right. Jesus goes to, to, as you said, he goes to Moses, he goes to the prophets, which, and, and when you see Jesus saying that, you know, Moses and the prophets speak of me, that's just a shorthand for saying right. what we would call the Old Testament. It all gets to me, it all speaks. Mm -hmm. Of me. Or what about even um, in Acts where we see the Ethiopian official and Philip, you know, so Philip is totally riding this Holy Spirit wave, right? Mm -hmm. You know, all these crazy conversions and he gets... <laughs> Sorry, that's a really cool way. He's totally <laughs> riding this wave. Well, I'm speaking all charismatic here. I, I was going to say, I think I heard Joel Osteen say that. Yeah. She's a real but, public intellectual. He's the Andy Stanley crowd. But uh -huh. I'm emphasizing <laughs> yeah. that because, you know, when he... He knows that he's supposed to witness to this Ethiopian official. The Holy Spirit leads him there. And what is this Ethiopian doing? He's, he's reading the Old Testament. He's reading the Old Testament. And he doesn't say, oh, well, that's not relevant yeah, anymore. That's not going to help you. 
Yeah. <laughs> you don't right. need to read the Old Testament right. anymore. That's not what he says at all. He says, do you understand what this means? Mm -hmm. And then he gave him the gospel. Right. Which he, because which it points he, to Christ. Exactly. He drew a straight line from Isaiah straight to line. Jesus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I think right there is during the big Holy Spirit, charismatic action. Right. Instead of getting a new revelation and unhitching right. from the Old Testament, mm -hmm. he drew a straight line. Pitched it right on in there. Mm -hmm. Right. One interesting question, of course, that arises is why would Andy Stanley make such an elementary mistake? It's mm -hmm. not as if this issue has not been more than adequately dealt with time and right. time and time again over nearly two millennia. Uh, yeah, one can speculate about motives at this point, but it seems to me it's interesting that Stanley is clearly a man who likes to make a splash every now and then. He likes to hit the headlines. So perhaps there's an element of, of him just wanting you know, to suddenly start featuring on podcasts, etc., who are outraged at what he's doing. <laughs> More significantly, I suspect, is that the kind of rejection of the Old Testament we see in a guy like Andy Stanley is typically connected to some sort of moral revolution or revision that's going on. You know, why would one really want to get rid of the Old Testament? Well, the Old Testament's where all the commandments are. The Old Testament really is the moral framework of the Bible. And it seems to me, in some ways, this is absolutely consonant with the spirit of the age. If we live in a therapeutic world, which we do live in, and you want to make the gospel as therapeutic as possible, you need to get rid of anything that might be non-therapeutic in its orientation. And the idea of blood sacrifice, the idea of the wrath of God having to be turned away by the slaughtering of animals and ultimately by the, the slaughtering of his own son, this is not therapeutic. This is distasteful stuff. And it would not surprise me if one could plausibly interpret what Andy Stanley is doing as a, a theological manifestation of the spirit of the age at this point. What do you think of that? Does that sound plausible? Yeah, I mean, Slanderous? It, sounds, it sounds plausible, and, it, and it's also very reductionistic is the only word I can think of. Like, okay, so Christ fulfilled the civil law, Christ fulfilled the ceremonial law, so I guess he's just throwing out then what you would be saying is the moral law as well. I think some ways that's a very helpful way of discussing it, but I also think there's an issue of human beings made in the image of God that he's throwing at. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think moral structure we can talk about in terms of the tripartite division of the law. Mm -hmm. We can also talk about in terms of the structure of what it means to be a human being. We're moral creatures. Mm -hmm. And where do we find that moral structure? Well, in the way that we're accounted for in the Old Testament. Right. It's a total misunderstanding of everything that happened on the cross then as well. You have to throw it all out. And I don't know enough about his wider theology, but it's right. hard to be a penal substitution person if you get rid of the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament the sets the standards for that. Yeah, you have the mercy seat and you have mm -hmm. the Day of Atonement. Yeah, and I think your suggestion that this is just a, a way to buy into the spirit of the age, I think that's fair. And if you look at the broader sweep of his preaching, you'll, you'll see that, unfortunately. And, and one of the things that he has said in this series and, I, and, and in the book as well is, he really, he doesn't draw careful distinctions to say, okay, listen, there are parts of the old covenant law that have been abrogated in Christ. You know, we don't uh, practice the ceremonial laws attached to cleanliness and, and temple fitness and that kind of thing. We, we don't have the, the dietary laws anymore. And all of those are clearly in the New Testament explained why they have passed away. What he does is all of the law is gone now, you know, including the Ten Commandments. And he goes so far as to say 
that none of that is is brought into the New Testament and that Jesus only ever gave one command, he says, to love one another. That's the only command Jesus ever gave. Now, that's I, I don't know if he's just naive and ignorant of the fact or if this is more sinister, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. He's the pastor of the second largest church in America with a huge following, and he's teaching what is patently false and unbiblical and putting the souls of men and women in danger. Yeah. This isn't a small, this is not a small trifling yeah. error here, but how and, we understand the nature of God and the nature of the gospel. And if the concept of love is to be more than just an aesthetic category mm -hmm. or a sentimental mm -hmm. category, right. it has to have content. Where do you get right. the content? Well, Christ's teaching about love is it sums up the Old Testament ethical mm -hmm. teaching. Right. Mm -hmm. The content of love is the ethical teaching of the Old Testament. Right. Right. And, and what's interesting is the Old Testament affirms that itself. In Deuteronomy, it says that the, the, the law is summed up in these two commandments to love God and love your neighbor. Jesus goes back to that and once again affirms what the Old Testament says about the moral law itself, which is, yeah. it's, and, and the, the point being is there's a substance to love that is, um, that is very real, that grounds it in justice, that grounds it in truth. Um, it is not an aesthetic. It's not a niceness. There's, of course, mercy and kindness to love, but it's grounded in real acts of justice. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and that also can be related to the teaching that it's, it was only the Father's wrath that was satisfied on the mm -hmm. cross. Like, you wouldn't talk about the wrath of God, right. um, that Christ himself mm -hmm. was satisfying the wrath of God, not yeah. only the Father. Yeah, and, and what you're hitting at there is, is one of those things that the three of us, as well as others, have tried to labor in this artificial separation of mm -hmm. the persons of the Godhead, which ends up making them kind of independent actors right. doing things apart from each other. Um, it's very clear in the book of Revelation that the Lamb has wrath, mm -hmm. um, that the Son, uh, the Lamb, mm -hmm. uh, uh, possesses wrath. Well, and that goes down to the, the point, you know, Stanley cannot simply unhitch the New Testament from the Old Testament if he wants to get rid of the, the bits of God that he finds distasteful. Mm -hmm. right. He's got to do what Marcion did. Marcion was a more brilliant theologian, I suspect. Mm -hmm. He's also got to bogarize the New Testament. Right. Because God is a consuming fire in the book of Hebrews that we approach with awe and trembling. Exactly. Uh, yeah, as you've said, the, the, I actually think the lamb has wrath, not wrath. Revelation. It's <laughs> more serious than wrath. Yeah, it's yeah. it's mm -hmm. much scarier. Yeah. But the, the, the wrath of God is evident in the New Testament. The seven woes are pronounced in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, it's hard not to get in touch with one's inner Daryl heart at this point and simply mm -hmm. say the whole thing looks just like the latest sales pitch. I have to find something stupid to say in order to produce a book that's going to sell. And we all know that stupid books sell a whole lot better than sensible yes. books do, by yes, and large. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look do. at Amy's sales compared to mine. You know, <laughs> far <laughs> I was waiting for that one. You know? <laughs> um, well, and, and again, the, the, the thing that, that uh, Stanley does, the, the mechanism he appeals to in order to justify this unhitching from the Old Testament is not... Well, it's not true because he will say on the one hand, oh, I believe it's all the word of God. Uh, you know, I believe it's all inspired. What he does is his, is his, his pragmatic inner self comes in and says, the, there are too many things in the Old Testament 
that are a barrier to faith. And so therefore we need to avoid those. They're not necessary. Of course, what that does is it simply begs the question, then what are you going to do with the virgin birth? And what are you going to do with the resurrection? And what are you going to do with substitutionary atonement, propitiation, as you mentioned earlier? What are you going to do? Are those not barriers to to faith, to the the worldly minded? Of course they are. The gospel is a stumbling block. Yeah. Yeah. It's all a barrier Mm -hmm. without the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and as we know, Andy Stanley has already been ambiguous on some of the key issues of the day. He has the day. Yes, he has. And this is not a moment for ambiguity; it's a moment for clarity. For clarity. So clarity. there's a whole of stuff that's uh, that's coming through here. Mm-hmm. And I mean, as you mentioned, Todd, Book of Revelation mm-hmm. uh, may be the most terrifying book in the Bible. I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, I mean, the genocides in Judges are one are one thing. Yeah. Joshua and Judges, but. Book of Revelation really speaks about an end-time cataclysm yes. of the Day of Judgment, uh, right. compared to which the genocides will appear like minor blips in history, I think. Right. Fair right. enough, if you object to that, but you've got to get rid of the Book of Revelation. You've got Absolutely. to mobilize and the New Testament at that you, point. You've got to get rid of a whole lot of the teachings of Jesus. Ton- I mean, yeah. Jesus was a, was a preacher of eschatological judgment. He was a preacher yeah. of end times judgment. And he said more, you know, when people say, I don't like Paul because he was mean, I like Jesus because he was nice. It's actually really the other way around. Paul was a lot nicer than Jesus in terms of what he said about coming judgment and and hell. Yeah. Now that's a barrier to faith. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thanks very much for joining us today. It's always interesting to discuss the the latest cool thing in American (laughs) evangelicalism. It never ceases to provide us with material for reflection even if it does tend to simply recapitulate the great heresies of the past that have been adequately refuted so many times before. But we do have a book, if you're wanting a a sensible account of how the Old Testament and the New Testament are intimately connected and indeed codependent, if I could put it that way, them both, then we have a a couple of copies of Mitchell Kim and Greg Beale's book, God Dwells Among Us, in which Greg and Mitchell trace the theme of the temple from the Garden of Eden to the end of the book of Revelation and show how the idea of God dwelling in his temple with his people, those who bear his image, binds the whole Bible together and gives a consistent structure, storyline to the whole thing and should hopefully dispel any doubts or questions you might have about whether the God of the Old Testament is the same as the God of the New Testament. To enter for a chance to win that book, please go to our website, mortificationofspin.org. And while you're there, please remember we are a uh, listener-supported podcast, so uh, please feel free to make a a donation, which will enable us to to keep producing uh, this podcast on a weekly basis. Uh, In the meantime, on behalf of uh, my co-host and myself, we look forward to being with you next week. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Visit the podcast page and blog at mortificationofspin.org, where we'll have links and other articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd. And while you're there, please subscribe and consider making a donation.
And be sure to listen next time when Carl, Todd, and Amy talk about... One of the things that happened in light of, of John Chow's death were, were comparisons to Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, and that group of men that died in Ecuador at the hands of the Aka Indians. Right. And I, I disagree. That's not a good comparison. We'll talk to you next time on Mortification of Spin. My faith in young people was restored this morning. How so? (laughs) I, I asked if anybody in class had heard of Iron Maiden. Yes. And this girl's hand shot up. I said, Really? How They're a great that? heavy metal band. And I said, what was the name of their Revelation-inspired hit? She crashed at that point. I said, Number of the Number Beast. Number of the Beast. <laughs> That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs>